Hey, Darren, I, I want to take a minute to let our fans know about something really, really exciting. Uh, I've joined forces with. I'm glad you asked because <laughs> I, I got something to share with you and it's really, really exciting. Okay. Um, on June 4th, the 39th anniversary of the release of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, mm. we're launching a Kickstarter, a Kickstarter for our new documentary, 1982 Greatest Geek Year Ever. Uh, mm. Roger Lay, who did all the uh, Star Trek special features, Star Trek documentaries, and myself are going to be producing a spectacular documentary that will take you inside the greatest movies released in 1982. It's going to be something really special. And, you know, we, 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 um, we put together an amazing team of people and uh, we're reaching out to you, the fans, to help support this. So if you go to Kickstarter, um, you can find out more about the campaign, uh, why uh, we think it's so important and what this is going to be. And, and if, you, uh, if it's interesting to you, if it, it tickles your fancy, um, we hope you'll choose to support us. Um, and you can, uh, there's some great rewards, including, I know you're going to be shocked. You can get autographed copies of my book. You may even win a chance to uh, come on this very podcast and watch Darren and I record an episode when we're back in the studio. First and, prize uh, is a non-autographed copy of your book. <laughs> those are more, much more rare. Second prize, <laughs> a set of steak knives. That'd be funny. We should have that as a reward where you can win a set of steak nice. knives. Now, for those of you who are wondering, why was 1982 so incredible? Well, we all know about Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. But let me just give you a, a few of the other movies that came out that year. Blade Runner, Conan, Poltergeist, Halloween 3, The Dark Crystal, Swamp Thing, The Verdict, Tootsie, what, the Citizen Kane of teen exploitation movies, not to be confused with the Citizen Kane of Star Trek episodes. Fast Tom's Richmond High, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, Cat People, Creepshow, The Thing, Tron, The Atomic Cafe, it, 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 Dark Crystal. I mean, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary year, and, and we're going to document it like no one has ever done it before with exclusive interviews, clips, behind-the-scenes, storyboards. Uh, it's going to be amazing. It's, we have really, really exciting plans. And, and obviously, we want to have it come out for the 40th anniversary uh, of these films next, next summer. So uh, please, if, you, if you're interested, check out 1982 Greatest Geek Year Ever on Kickstarter today. That's extraordinary. Sounds like fun. If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love Trexperts Briefing Room. A Trexperts new Briefing Room? What is that? I was about to explain, then you interrupted oh, me. I'm it sorry. Is, it's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Enterprise. You're going to love it as we explore the behind the scenes making of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek. Sounds like fun. It will be. And you <laughs> could find it on the Inglorious Trexperts podcast feed and on the new Trexperts briefing podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see what's out there. If you think you felt a great disturbance in the force, you're not wrong. Ed Gross and me, Mark A. Altman, have a new oral history coming out this July from St. Martin's Press. It's Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of the Star Wars saga. So wherever you buy books, audio and video, pick it up today, pre-order, and you can learn the 
Secrets of the Force. And don't miss our oral history of Star Trek in stores now. And of course, nobody does it better. The complete oral history of James Bond in digital, hardcover, paperback, and audio. That is all. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And today we're going back to the future. We're going back <laughs> to something we, we alluded to a couple of weeks ago on the a podcast. Long time um, ago. We had uh, Adam Malin on talking about uh, the history of Star Trek conventions. And I, I, Darren and I, as an aside, mentioned, you know, the, the ultimate Star Trek convention uh, that it had attracted our interest as young youngsters. Uh, it was going to be the first like convention that had the entire cast. And, um, you know, it was going to be this huge multimedia event. It's called the ultimate fantasy. We all found out about the same way this ad in Starlog. Yeah. And I'm sure we all begged our parents, like, you got to take us to Houston. Houston. This what? Houston. Houston we have- <laughs> they, the, the ad showed up about two months before Star Trek two was released mm-hmm. and it was you know it was uh, relying on that buzz uh and it it contributed it to it for me at least yeah because oh totally the idea of you know all these people i'm gonna i'm gonna read the ad right now oh yeah have, that'd be great we have joined the crew of the enterprise in the ultimate fantasy houston texas june 19th and 20th 1982 Appearing live on stage, William Shatner, DeForest Kelly, James Doohan, Walter Koenig, Nichelle Nichols, George Takei, Kirstie Alley, Mark Leonard with Harv Bennett and Carrie O'Quinn featuring a special effects light show. What more could anyone ask? Well, I would have liked David Gutreau as Zong. <laughs> <laughs> But otherwise, it's spectacular. It's and spectacular. I have to say, you know, unfortunately, Houston, we had a problem because uh, this thing uh, was a misfire of gigantic proportions. Galactic and we're talk- proportions. Galactic proportions. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it because um, uh, Larry Nemechek, Larry Nemechek, who some people may know for uh, he's written many books on Star Trek, including The Next Generation Companion, a wonderful book about uh, Next Generation, uh, is a. Uh, um, uh, in the midst of putting together, producing a documentary about that ill-fated event called the Con of Wrath. Um, and uh, we wanted to get Larry on the show to talk about his memories of the ultimate fantasy and uh, tell us exactly why this is considered probably the most disastrous Star Trek convention of all time. Although, as we know from experience, it may not be, because, of course, we have our own fair share of stories including the infamous um vegas convention where we went uh, with a bunch of uh a bunch of star trek celebrities only to find that the hotels uh was a was an absolute rat trap i've told this story before i immediately uh uh walked out refusing to stay at the hotel got a room at the mirage and then had half the cast of deep space nine calling me and saying hey i heard you got a room at the mirage any chance we can <laughs> crash over there with you mark because this play and then 
Uh, the second, so the, the convention happens the next day. No one, like, there's like 20 people. It was a disaster. And the guy who, so a lot of the cast went back to their hotel and they had lost their rooms. The guy hadn't paid for, for the rooms. And then the last day of the convention, the guy was gone. And then we found out that I guess he had gotten the money from the mob to put on this convention. And um, it was an absolute disaster. I mean, we had a good time and we tried to entertain the six people that were there. But um, that was just some crazy stuff. This was like during, you know, when Next Generation was like at its height and, uh, you know, the early days of Deep Space Nine. But uh, but yes, there've been some real, you know, uh, disastrous conventions. But I think everybody said, I'm a Star Trek fan and Star Trek conventions seem to be popular. I can make money and do something I love and meet my favorite stars. Sure. So, they, you know, it's like the Mary Sue stories. I'm going to become best friends with these actors when I hire them to be at my Star Trek convention, not realizing all they want is a check from you, not your everlasting friendship. But um, boy, the ultimate fantasy sounds like a like a hoot. Let's find out more. Yeah, well, let's bring on Larry Nemechek and uh, find out all about the ultimate fantasy. So we're here with Larry Nemechek and Larry is uh, obviously well known to many listeners as a, a frequent um, uh, a journalist and a raconteur about Star Trek, but he is also the a producer of a documentary that's currently in the works called The Wrath of Khan, C-O-N. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's the, the Con, Con of, Wrath. of Wrath. Oh, the Con yes. of Wrath. Okay. Yes. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I stand corrected. So the Con, <laughs> Con C-O-N. Yes, it is. <laughs> because, you know, at the Absolutely. beginning of the universe lies the beginning of... Yeah, and, okay, <laughs> and so, mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> and and and, and I, you know, we really wanted to have Larry on the show to talk about this because, you know, for Darren and I, and, and Larry will tell you his story. The ultimate fantasy was like this Nirvana, like you know, because it hit at a certain age where you know, particularly for me growing up in New York, um, there were a bunch of these seminal Star Trek conventions I could go to, and my older cousins went, and I was so jealous. But, you know, you'd have Gene at one and maybe Shatner at another and Nimoy. At this was oh, going to be everyone. Mark, cry me a river. You were in New York. You could at least like stumble by and stare in the window or something at the ambassador or whatever. I'm stuck in Oklahoma. Are you kidding? <laughs> Those things that happened in New York and L.A. is like I could only when I was a kid, I could only dream of getting to. And places. you would read Starlog, presumably, mm-hmm. and, and, and see. And then so what was your introduction to this this? super convention because that's what it was it was there had been these fan conventions and then a couple of people tried to cash in you know as well because there's the famous split between the committee and you know schuster schuster and uh and and, uh and they so it bifurcated because he and then bjo was doing her cons out on the west coast but this was going to be you know this was like the asia and when i say asia i don't mean the continent (laughs) You know, the first of the super groups, we had people from Yes and from all these bands forming what were in the 80s called the super bands, the you know, like Asia yep, yep. And, and, you know, and, 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 and the traveling Wilburys, which was like <laughs> Dylan and Roy Orbison and Tom Perry, super bands. Right. So this was going to be a super con where it was like the ultimate con was going to boldly go where no con had gone before. So tell us what it what was so unique about this and then how you discovered it back then. 
I just want to give you the prize for getting the traveling Wilburys into a Star Trek podcast with me first. I just that's a, that's a new one on me, and it's awesome. It's all great. I love. I love. It was so sad because like Roy Orbison records again, and then he yeah. dies right after they yeah, had exactly. Their, yeah, he was on the second album. I know it was so. Uh, that's why the first album so much better than the second. Well, album. he yeah, traveled he, the farthest. He. <laughs> Roy Orbison did an MTV video. Uh, yeah, no. So like, I mean, this was 1982. So the first New York con is 72. And yes, I know the little library thing across the river. You know, I do that. the same thing. You know, they always say, you know, we're talking about the first convention. But what about the library one in New Jersey? <laughs> you know, it's like oh, forget the library one in New it's Jersey. Like, okay, it's like we'll now you, you say you say the first interracial kiss. But there were the two on the UK. And then there was the variety show one with, you know, it's like, OK, OK, fine, fine, fine. It's like, what is ass. library? <laughs> i'm not gonna run this a to z on you now there uh but, but the, the thing to me was you said how, i mean like the first conventions i would just well i wasn't even a fan until like my ninth grade science teacher you know said mm. go home and watch i can't believe you don't know star trek larry go home and watch it right now after school so that was like you know mid 70s or something but by then then yeah the first star log was the summer of 76 with that and and i'd had the making of star trek book which didn't talk about conventions. No, you know, because but, it was yeah, written I mean, in 68. Yeah. 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 I and mean, then reprinted the hell out of it. And then even, about even, the library. even David's well, David's book started to, you know, those 70s yes. pictures of everybody right. you started to well, get that. world of Star Trek would talk yeah. in world of Star Trek. He did not making a triples. And then, of course, right. there was that actual the book that licked in. Who was it? Marshak and Colbert wrote about right. Star Trek conventions. Star Trek lives, was it? Yeah, Star Trek lives, right. Yeah, Part yeah, yeah. And that was all about thing. the conventions. Yeah. 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 And Joni Winston writing her chat. And Joni Winston's first chapter uh about about being on the last days but it was tied in with with working on the first the New York cons and all of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. you knew about it and then yeah, that was New York and then yeah, the gleaming palladium towers or whatever they are in LA that B. Joe was doing. Um and it, but it was like this thing that was going on. Now, when I was a kid, there were cons. Or I mean, yeah, a, a the old timers like to say there were cons since the world con. And who, you know, it's like, uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. The lit cons <laughs> were there. And it's only been like recent. I love how some of these insights hit you now that you did you live through. And now I go, oh, like, you know, we have Comic-Con culture now. You know, all these franchises blew up the old Comic-Con that was, you know, old guys thumbing through dirty, dusty boxes of comics. That's not what Comic-Con is. Now it's Hollywood involved. That starts with, I guess, Twilight blows it up. But it started as media back when there was no media to celebrate. You got a movie every 10 years, you know, you'd get the Forbidden Planet or something. And then maybe Twilight Zone, but it's an, and and Lost in Space would be. But Star Trek was the seminal thing that oh, look, shook absolutely. that up. Before that, you had the world cons and everything. But like you said, it was mostly men and it was mostly literature. Right, and, right, right. And, you know, and Gene was and the, and the Hugo's would randomly do a mm -hmm. dramatic presentation, you know. But, you know, Gene was so smart. You know, we talked mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, what a great uh, self-promoter self he was. And I say that with love. I mean, it, and, I, I, and with envy that he, um, uh, you know, went to that convent, you know, that Tricon and was promoting the mm -hmm. show before it even premiered. He knew his audience. Yeah. Which and, today is uh, so obvious. Yeah. But back then, but then back then, nobody in L.A., if they were doing a sci, I'm air quoting, if they were doing science fiction, nobody thought to take it out to a well, what existed. Did, and, and it was a disaster. They hated it. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Oh, you got to know your audience. <laughs> oh, you're, if you're going to take it to a real crowd, you'd be a real sci fi crowd. But the the 
the monster that they unleash is after two or three years, the Trekkies are all invading what, you know, the Litcons led by Worldcon and the Lits, <laughs> the, the old school Lit guys are going, after there's like hundreds and thousands and you're getting 500 or a thousand and all of a sudden you got half that or double that with Trek people showing up. And it's like, okay, guys, but you know, you really need to go back. I mean, the original gatekeeping was all these guys inundated. And I say yeah. guys, literally almost, you really need to go back and you read your foundationals. You know, you need to use your basics. Yeah. Have you read your Heinlein? Have you read your Asimov? Have you read your Vern? You know, well, they uh, no, we have no time. I'm, I'm too busy dressing up like Spock. I have no time for that, but that's nice. Thank you very much. They hated the invasion yes. of the Star Trek yes. fans into their culture. That's a really good point that the gatekeeping was there because and, you had mostly men. And, and, and the amazing thing is you had these men who were saying, what are all these women doing here? It's like, <laughs> what were they thinking? I mean, it's like, you know, come, come, welcome. And what did you know? those men say finally after a year or two of that? They go, why don't you guys go off and do your own convention? And yeah, uh, yeah. Boom. Everything yeah. we have today, the media, the when everything had to be thought of in little boxes, right? The media lit fandom split. And I remember back even in Oklahoma in the 80s, I remember the lit, I'll call it the litcon snobbery and people that were working totally. on their, their rural con resumes. And oh my God, if we if anyone finds out that we were tainted by having a media person here, yeah, right? Yeah. An actor, writer, didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, anybody, you know, second. Right. Assistant. I want to get I want to get to the ultimate fantasy because it was truly yeah. the Xanadu of cons. I well, mean, it, it was it was 10 years in. So you had other places springing to Detroit, Chicago. I mean, you had other places outside the coast. Well, to be and fair, it was, it it was, was a wild west. It was touted as this. It was it was set up to be this mm -hmm. ultimate con, this ultimate fantasy. And they were they were doing all the right things, putting it all in, in all the, you know, in mm -hmm. Starlog and other publications and just sort of throwing it out there to get people juiced up for it. And yeah, well, yeah, they add in Starlogs where I found you asked yeah, me. Exactly. Uh, yeah. me, me to me too. Yeah. But the yeah. thing, Darren, I think, you know, these, these regional conventions, sure, one would have Jimmy doing one would mm -hmm. have your know, George, one would have Nichelle. But sure. what was so great about this was it was everyone. Yeah. At the time, it was inconceivable that they would have the entire <laughs> using that word. cast crossing the street. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. inconceivable. Never start a land war in Asia. But it was it was it was amazing that Every it was going to be all band. of them on stage and curse the alley for, for, for because some mm -hmm. of us at the time had a huge crush on curse the alley. So that was also very exciting. Everybody have a huge crush. on Kirstie. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how they couldn't. Uh, and some of them probably had a crush on Merritt Buttrick, but, you know, they didn't. That's talk true. About it. Yeah, that's right. Right. But right. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, the regional cons. I mean, that was a huge leap where we from 72 to by 75, 76. It was becoming a common thing and people were spouting up all over the place. Now, the Houston group that this we're talking about here, mm -hmm. they'd been doing cons forever. And I remember that in Oklahoma, had, okay. my, my first mm. con was. It was dealers and a lot of it was it was Westerns and old time radio. And there was a whole genre thing of little dealer cons and, and bigger dealer cons and hardcore sci fi lit cons were happening, too. But there was a lot of like nostalgia genre stuff happening. It just wasn't, you know, Star Trek in, in places that didn't have a lot of population. You had to pull your audiences together to, to make a, you know, make it uh, worthwhile money wise. You had to rent the, the place at the yeah. at the best Western, you know, two rooms. That's literally the first con I went to was they had Spanky McFarlane and I forget and some comics artist were the two guests. 
And it was like, you know, the stage is at the end of the room and here's the other tables. And my mom took me. And that was the first con I went to for a day, I guess. But they had the bloopers on, you know, on film and they had a couple yeah. episodes and that was your Star Trek fix and people selling patches and stuff. And it was exciting, though. And of course I mean, it was. It oh was my God, I'm, I'm doing this in Oklahoma City. Are you kidding me? After reading about L.A. and New York, it's like you could almost touch it. But that that had flipped over just five, six years. That was happening. Mm -hmm. But the guys in Houston had run a Houston con, you know, out of the Westerns and old time radio and all that collecting stuff, that that arena and sci fi, too. And they had had con they'd had like Ray, Ray Harryhausen come out and been a guest. They'd had authors, you know, but it was the, it was Houston. So it was like major metropolis. And they had been able to do that. So these guys that currently ran it, this guy, Jerry Wilhite uh, and some of his gang, it was the Wild West of Cons, just like it was in all the cities. And you had the right. turf wars and you had people competing, you know, like clubs yeah. and zines. And it was into conventions. Just now you like you've got fan films doing it now and and what a podcast and whatever. Now it's like, you know, it, there's there's a lot of room and people still find a, a reason to compete. But anyway, they this was this group. And in 82, they had a they'd had the latest Houston Con, which was crazy in itself. One of these competitors that split off and had a fight with, had a pick to fight, you know, a little fandom turf war fight, called into their, somehow did a DBA legally with the state of Texas and, and said, these guys are calling themselves Houston Con and I have the DBA. And they had a hotel set up. And like on two weeks notice, this is an 81 now, on two weeks notice, they, their hotel yanked their reservation for their con because they said, you're not really who you say you are. And this guy says he's got the DBA. Right. And on two weeks notice, they found is, an abandoned uh, a legal term for doing business. As yes. Yeah. You yeah. File yeah. It, just for our audience who doesn't know the right. ins and outs of LLC, a low, key, a low key way of having a legal claim to something about setting up a corporation or a right. company or something. Right. Yeah. So they found an abandoned Kroger's, not an abandoned, like it was an empty out of business Kroger right. where the where the warehouse still worked. Not the air conditioning, but some of the, the freezer still. And they had a con in this abandoned, in this old empty Kroger's. And oh, people started calling. It was the Houston con. Anyway, they had George and George Decay, Walter Koenig, uh, Jimmy, another round of Ray Harryhausen. They had, you know, they had a full line. Of, it was people in this Kroger. And Walter talks about going, having his panel discussion in the, in the freezer, you know, wow. where the meat was hanging up. And he's, you know, you can imagine. But out of that, they said, you know, this is really sad. And they all got through it because they were goofus fans and they, you know, yeah. plowed through and they go, they start talking to George and Walter. And of course, George is, you know, like, okay, this is bizarre. But, you know, Walter's got the business mind and he's, they hatched this plan. It's, this is insane. It's high time. And he was telling them about shooting Connor Rath by then. And uh, I mean, the Wrath of Khan, now I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're in the middle of or just about to start shooting, you know, summer of 81. And he's telling them, you know, this is going to be much, much more fun, much more awesome, a whole different vibe. Nick Meyer. I got a bigger role. I'm, I'm first officer uh, for a while um, for half a, for an act. And but he's they all get excited about it. And Jerry is saying it would be so awesome. Why has nobody done? And they tried once or twice. And Walter even told me that there was a, they were supposed to have everybody together and he couldn't make it. So it wasn't a complete cast. Mm. And and the and the ultimate fantasy, a.k.a the con of wrath wound up not having Leonard except it could have, which is a whole, one of the 15,000 sidebars in this thing, but mm -hmm. they hatched the idea and they said, if you go back to LA as you're filming and talk everybody into doing this, we will throw this huge thing. It won't just be a con. We will do a side 
you know, an arena show. We'll do a rock right. arena. A Star multimedia Trek show. event. Yeah, yes, yeah, a multimedia yeah. event on a 1982 yeah. scale. And we'll yeah, have an yeah. orchestra and Nichelle can sing and we'll have a laser show and we'll do a play. You know, Walter, write a play. We'll do it. And and that was how it was born. And he goes and gets investors and they start talking. And everybody signs on back in L.A., right. including Har Bennett, right. not Nick yeah. Meyer, but Har Bennett does. And he wants to kind of come. You know, and there's no official licensing and the studio's not in the, you know, they there's don't no care official. at that point. No, right. They're I mean, Star Trek was barely a fran- a viable franchise with a heartbeat to them at that but point. But they were still waiting to see what happens. Yeah. Is it going to recover from motion picture or not? Which it, you know, which it did. And so this happened. They had it set for two weekends after the Rathacon opened. So this is like right. June 82. Right. But it's just an amazing thing where they had their regular Houston con going and there's a big old it's it fits this the the saga here perfectly so an oilman one of these wildcat indie oilmen uh i forget the name he he builds this huge visionary um uh shamrock hilton it's a shamrock hotel that becomes a hilton later out on the outskirts of texas and he's going to build it and put a development around it and he's getting away from the downtown you know now it's you might as well think it's downtown, but in 1940s, they had a big Hollywood premiere. They had like Clark Gable and people coming out for the opening and they had it on radio and it was live and they, you know, a whole big thing. And within 10, 20 years, it was the bypassing of the, the development of Houston did not make it a center of anything, right. but it was there. It was a huge hotel, multi-story just, and it had a convention center. And that's where they were having the regular convention that year. And um, the hotel was blown down and was demolished in the eighties, which was a whole, Another sad story in itself in Houston. They were pissed at, you know, blowing up history. But the convention center is still there. And we shot in the documentary and we had people go in and take us around. And and the uh, the arena where they had the show was the right. was the place where all the rock bands, where all the musicals travel into. It was right. called it was called uh, the summit at the time. Yeah. And uh, all into the 80s and uh, well, in the 90s, where all the traveling shows came to. And that's where they went. And it was a Ticketron uh, ticketed thing that you did. But there's a whole saga to getting into it. And that uh, on, on the side today, it's um, it's Joel. What's his name's? Uh, oh, um, the, the preacher, yeah. the, the whatever. They, yeah, the, yeah. It's a, it's a multi. But uh, you know what? As, as much as you want to jump in. Yeah. As much as you, that his tech guy is a Trekkie and he was awesome. We went in, we went in and filmed three or four different times in there. Mm. And it was we as long as we didn't show their stage, which we didn't care, because when it was a basketball hockey court, you know, whatever, the stage was in the middle. And they had this square stage raise. They had a a delta on a revolving stage that they'd all built themselves. There's so many layers to the story. The thing is, I saw the ad in Starlog. I went, oh, this is cool. It's only eight hours down to Houston, six, eight hours. So my little brother, two of my buddies. We were out of college. We did road trip. It was my first big out of town con. Um, and like I said, for me and so many other hundreds of people, it did not quite go the way it was supposed yeah. to go. Well, I want to get to that. But before we do, <laughs> you know, tell me about, you know, because this was different. You wouldn't go to the convention like now and you get tickets for three days and you just be there for three days. It was uh, it was almost like a Broadway show where they were selling tickets like you go to the 12 o'clock show, the four o'clock show um the the sunday right is that is that correct the show now see there was a regular houston con going on your standard con with a you know committee and all of that with a a charity you know there's costuming there's panels there's dealer's room there's all that stuff is happening and three times over the week twice on saturday once on sunday 
they had this show that was a mile or two away mm. that you had to get over there too. And they had buses ostensibly going back and forth right. and they did. So you had a ticket to one of the shows or you didn't. I mean, you could have right. just gone to the con and not, I knew we have people that just went to the show, the mm. convention and didn't mess with the show. But most people, and a lot of people just went to the show and didn't go to the convention, right. but they both had, and a lot of people did both, but that's part of it was they were out of the same group. They were supposed to be separate. There was a, the fan group was running the Houston con and there was a corporation they formed called production ventures incorporated PVI oh, yeah. that was going to do the show. And it was going to be such a hit. They were going to take, they were going to bring it to LA it on the and, road. Vegas okay. and New York. Yeah. What would it have looked like? Or what did it look like when you walked in? Like what was the, um, you know, this sort of chain of events. So, you know, you bought, you, you walk into this giant arena and there's the Delta shield on the stage. Cause right now like, it what? sounds like right now it sounds like fire fest. Fry fest. It's yeah. that's that's what people in the last few years have compared it to. Yeah. What happened was, and there's and so there's a saga and a mythos around this, and a lot of it is passing. Part of this is like I want to bring this up fresh again because if you weren't there at the time, or you read it in Starlog, which right, they right. they did the follow up reporting, and I've got the woman that wrote this. You know, um, uh, he did a he did a, a editorial piece about it. I remember um, the sad photo of a few of them standing there in the silver jumpsuits, and it it mm -hmm. was oh my god, it was heartbreaking. It looks like <laughs> you know, like they're all uh, baked potatoes or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's on the, the web page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, what's amazing is Starlog, you know, was the biggest champion of this thing, and yeah. then the second everything went off the rails, they were the first to have the knives out. You know, to basically show we're not complicit. We had nothing to do with it. You know, we, we were taken in as well uh, because, you know, it sounds like they well, sold Kerry O'Quinn a bill. Kerry O'Quinn was the yeah. last name on the list. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know, Carrie, he was so on the ad. What, so what happened? And we got Kerry talking and he basically <laughs> said he'd heard about it. And he, he comes back from lunch one day and his excuse me, his his one of his editors, one of his art directors says, oh, by the way, these guys called in Houston. Uh, they're taking out some ads. They ask if you could come be the MC of the show, the revolving Delta show part of it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, talk show and i told him yeah <laughs> he didn't <laughs> he was totally into it he's like they're buying three full page ads okay and he hears about it and he's on the phone with them yeah and he's kind of on one hand is like well this is great but on the other hand he's like are all these people going to get to houston because here's the thing the con people were totally you know they'd done this every year they were fine yeah. they had yeah. they were going to incorporate the trek people the whole trek cast except for leonard including like i said kirsty and Merritt. And Harv, uh, and Mark Lennard was a guest of the convention, and totally on the side. Carol Monroe, uh, Jack Kirby, a few other people were totally side guests of the regular. And they convention. were still convinced they were going to get Leonard because they kept asking uh, Walter to go to Leonard and convince Leonard to do it. He did a whole look. What's happening? The come on, everybody. Basic Star Trek history. At the same time, Leonard's going through his kill me off. I don't want to be associated with Star Trek anymore. So the last thing he wants to do is go to this con after it's opened and glorify, right, you know, right. being where with the cast and all this. But what happens is, and Walter tells a funny story about, and he does his Leonard impersonation about saying, no, no, no. He kept after him, kept after him. He never would. What happens a week before they're going to go on, Leonard calls their office and say, okay, I've changed my mind. I want to come. Right. And they say, this is so 1982. Oh, no, we've already got the publicity and the programs printed. How right. about you join us in New York? You know, he says, OK, right. 
for the now, next what would one. You know what they do today? They would bring him out unannounced and the place yeah. would melt down yeah. and yeah. Twitter would do what it did when Patrick walked out a few years back, right? It was like the world would melt down. But no, they were like, <laughs> it, do- oh, it doesn't no. buy them anything. I'm, I'm sorry, we don't have any more room. <laughs> <laughs> we we only have eight chairs up there. Which is ultimately <laughs> so ironic if you see the picture. Yeah. We have yeah. Car- we have Carrie O'Quinn. What do we need Leonard for? So, uh, but uh, that's so. I mean, that's, that's like one of the forty-seven million stories about this thing. That's what, part of this was like. So I, I, we go down. My buddies and I go down, and we're caught up. The the, the show starts melting down. Basically, they figure out that they've been to They've been told that they've had a. They had the arena, this basketball arena where the Houston Rockets played, and right. was the Rocks, you know, the musical center for Houston. Sure, they sure. had seventeen, eighteen, and they had floor seats put up, so they added like a thousand seats on the floor that were more to expensive than the, the crowds that were seventy-five dollars each. <laughs> yes, yes, more than the twenty, thirty, and your parking was like twenty. Yeah. You know, they had this eighteen thousand seat arena for three shows. They kept adding a show because they thought they were selling tickets, and there's some, there is a huge scandal that lay buried because basically when they got through this and not 17 18,000 a show but they had like 800 a thousand <laughs> you know 1200 people for the three right. shows and everybody pointed at the guy in the middle who was let's just say this i after all of this i did i dived into this not knowing where we were going which is what you right. should do with a documentary and by the time we got through it not only did he resurface and get over suspecting me as this you know, slick L.A. guy coming in to stir up all this shit again. I'm like, no, no, I'm just a dumb Oki. I We came down. I just live in L.A. now. No, no, no. You know, let's, but it's a story. It's like a phoenix coming up from the ashes, because the minute you start calling it the con of wrath, uh, which, by the way, is not my name. That's what they were calling it. There were several choice names. There was the That's ultimate, time, yeah. the ultimate fiasco, the ultimate right. fuck up, the ultimate, you know, it's fandom. I mean, yeah. you know, wow. um, and they're being charitable. Of, well, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to do with this, some of the subtext was show how much fandom has changed and how much it's exactly the same. Yeah, right. sure. You know, aside and also that the geek girls and geek fandom, girl fandom is not a thing that came in with anime and bled over. It mm-hmm. was there from day one. Right. So anyway, girl, women. Well, they love the, the, the fashions, those those silver lame jumpsuits. <laughs> And everyone was wearing. which were which were put. Hey, listen, they didn't. It's so weird. You think about the baby days of licensing and, and the rights and everything, but they were they were new to stay away. From, they weren't. They did a play that calls everybody the communication officer, the science officer, right. the navigator, but they didn't use anybody's names. Yeah, they had the yeah. captain, yeah. who was a you know. They didn't use any names. They didn't use any insignia when they did this thing, and that's where the goofy. And know, Walter still, wrote that right. Walter yes. wrote the play. The Machiavellian principle or something was the name of uh-huh. his thing. Yeah. Well, we've got the script and, and talking. That's what I'm saying. There are so many slices to this. And the weird thing was when the show two days notice, they find out that they've been totally had. There is not a three time sellout that there's only a few hundred. They they debated what to do and they decided that they should they were basically going to declare bankruptcy, but they were going to go ahead and do the show anyway, because right. everybody was in town. The actors were all in town right and the there, fans yeah. that travel and the de- you know, the dealers, the dealers were all there and they were going to pick up their, their campers and trucks and take off somewhere else. That was their niche for the week. There's right. only a couple of guys in there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't see no federation. 
I didn't see no <laughs> sold out arena. <laughs> no. So what's weird though, is the hotel now should be a totally separate story. Cause it's the convention it has nothing to do with right. the show, except right. that right. they get wind that the, the, the corporation has gone down. And by the way, to get more cash in, they'd sold these vacation plans like, Oh, here's your con and your show, but we're, we're going to do a tour package and you can go to NASA and you can, you know, yeah. go to Galveston Island and all this stuff. I, I was saving my allowance for that. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so people are showing up on fr- the hotel. Number one, overbooked. They had like four groups in and this was mm-hmm. the Trekkie kids were one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they realized they'd overbooked the hotel. They're trying to find a way to get to dump some people and they can't. They've got groups and the and the, the con had facility space. Right. So they basically should when they hit when they get wind that the corporate and the show part of it is is falling down, which shouldn't affected the convention, because as their chairman says over and over again, we had our credit card backing. We had our deposits in. There was no need for what happened. But basically, the second day people are there that came on Thursday, the ones showing up on Friday or getting up Friday morning. Right. We're all we're either not allowed to check into rooms and they were told they had to rebook their rooms and pay again. Or they got if they were in a room, they got a note shoved under their door that said uh, there are issues with the convention. You have to come down and repay for your room again. And oh, here's man. these fan kids going, we paid already. We paid. Yeah. Already. We don't have any more money. And that's how we got the mob of the homeless kids with their suitcases all in the lobby out into the June Houston humidity oh, out God. front. And the actors are walking in through all. The, I mean, it was and somebody called the local Houston media. And they swooped in and they're talking about the scam and the scandal. And why are all these kids from all over the country out in the heat with their suitcases and what's going on here? And it's like Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek. And Har Bennett is going, holy shit, we, we have this great movie out, but we cannot drag Star Trek and Paramount into this muck and, yeah. and what's happening. So it's like he and Walt, Walter goes into battle mode on the show. Harv goes into battle mode about calming the actors down. And then they go out to try to calm down what's happening. At the con, which shouldn't even be affected by the show, but now it is. And they're doing pass the hats in the dealer's room to keep it open. And the chairman's going, you've got your money, what? which they ultimately did. And the hotel kept back 50000 for years because they kept thinking they were going to be. I mean, there's just so much dominoing shit. And by Sunday afternoon, the con of wrath, they're taught, people are like, you know, it's fandom. And that's one thing that's never changed. They're coming up with, you know, uh, the ultimate fiasco, the ultimate fuck up, the ultimate fallacy was another one. And this one girl that we know got her on camera. She's like, no, no, you guys, it's the con of wrath. And they all go back into the dealer's room and two or three of the button makers. Remember when we had button makers? They did. I survived the con of wrath, but that Mm. weekend. And they were selling it that weekend. Yeah. And they were selling it that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So when you arrived, tell us your story because well, you're on this road trip down to this convention right. and you arrive and what happens? And we walk in and we're we walk right into the sea of homeless people in their luggage that you can't check in. Like, what? What? Now, I knew in the program somewhere that the, the banquet with the stars was supposed to be happening or the, or the press conference. It's it's kind of fuzzy exactly what it was supposed to be. Right. But yeah. they were going to bring all the cast in and have press and VIP fans or whatever could come in or you paid extra. The thing was, when everything started to uh, melt down, evaporate, they did uh, the, the little bit of food they put out was melting down, too, because they didn't they didn't lay out a banquet. They barely laid out, you know, some snacks. 
And it became the here's the room that where everything is happening, because nobody there was one woman on the con committee who was the fan liaison who wound up taking all the ship. The, the head guy was quickly became like, you know, not available. And um, um, people the word gets around if you didn't just walk in the door. The word gets around that the thing that was supposed to be the buffet or the press conference is now turned into the here the hell's what's going on thing. And here's Harv mm-hmm. and all the cast sitting down. The And one of the guys who was in charge of the tech tells me that they had AV, but what it turns into is they can't get their AV to work. And they're passing a bullhorn back and forth. And there's this mob of fans lining the walls and hanging, you know, and we've got pictures. We've got the, the transcript of the press conference. We're even trying. Anyway, they're trying to calm everybody down. Now, Shatner's coming in late. Shatner was there, not Nimoy, but Shatner's coming. And he's not coming until that night. But everybody else is there. Right. And it's just, it's just an amazing thing. And people are asking questions. And Harv is like, okay, we've walked into this. And we don't know as, about as much as you do. But hang with us. Let's all get through this in our best Star Trek. Let's make it happen thing. And everybody's like, yeah. And that's kind of what happened. I walked over there and saw that. And I kept walking back and forth to see what my bunch in line for a room was doing and going back and forth. But I saw part of that, took some pictures, came back. It was, it's just, it was just incredible. It kind of settled down by Saturday and Sunday, but a lot of other shit went down and happened. And um, the three shows, meanwhile, over at the arena, that was its own thing. They were trying to, the bill collectors were showing up to get paid and they were going to shut it down. And they found some money somewhere or, or held them off long enough to go ahead and have the three shows to 800 people in a 18,000 seat arena. And, and what do you remember about that? Did, did they pull it off? I mean, what was Walter's we, show like? I we, mean, had a, we had a drama. It was it was interesting. It was on and they were on the revolving stage and they're all standing there and they used the they had a jumbotron by then. And they had Mark Leonard playing an ambassador on this planet. And they had him. So it was almost like they're all looking up at the Jumbotron and he's on the view screen. It was kind of cool what they did. Um, Now, it's we walked in. It was a drama to get there. Nothing was easy this weekend because we were supposed to have tickets. No Uber. No Uber. No. No, Hey, no cell phones. This is like, have you ever watched, you know, like Casablanca's uh, World War Two, the big sleep or something, an old movie, a film noir. And you just think now if they'd only had cell phones, if they'd only yeah, had there, cell would, phones, there would not be a story. There yeah. would not be a story in three fourths <laughs> of all movies ever made. Maybe we, guess... we, we know who killed the chauffeur. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like if they'd only had cell phones part of the time that weekend. But it, that's that's not the whole story. But we're looking. They didn't put our tickets in our, you know, when you check in and here's all your doodads. Here's your con program. Here's your show program. Your, yeah. Program. Mm-hmm. Here's all your stuff. I'm like, where's our tickets to the summit for the show and they're like oh they're not in there i only find out like the last few years they had they were behind on printing tickets because apparent i mean this is part of the part of the conspiracy that we've put together rather than blame the guy in the middle of this it was right. really the monopoly entertainment company that did all the shows all the rock shows all the musicals right. that came through town and they called them and said hey guys you ready to work together and the kids 20s and 30s said now we got this covered. They're like, oh, okay. And it's long gone. The company's long gone. All the people, I believe me, we tried to find people. But the theory now is that something, somebody may have done some little bit of hometown sabotage. 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 <laughs> they say sabotage. sabotage. I say sabotage. Yeah. Because, yeah. So anyway, it's just, it's, it's, uh, we, we were begging for it. So that the woman, Catherine, 
who was the fan liaison. I said, I don't have tickets to the show. And they were just trying to like keep the actors. It was so funny because we're like, we don't have tickets. We can't get in. It's like, don't worry, you'll get in. <laughs> but we didn't know that. Yeah, I find, yeah. It was like a drug deal. I find, She's like, okay, can you meet me at the back steps by the <laughs> exit doors? It was like, okay. So I'm like running around and they're all comps. The only tickets she had to give to people were like, you know, pre-printed comps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was amazing. And we were probably up in the, we weren't up in the, you know, in the, in the nosebleed seats. So the very first show and they did each time, the people that paid extra for the seats down below got really pissed because right off the bat, Harv says, why don't you people in the top come, come down? On down. Come on down. Yeah. $75 cheers. <laughs> and that was us. But yeah. no, it was just, it was like, if, if you weren't going to the show, you were supposed to be able to take a bus over and see the motion picture and a Rathacon on a double bill. Mm. And some people did. I mean, what's amazing about this is for all the crazy that happened, some people will stand up and go, you know, most people got everything that they paid for. It's like the convention itself went right. on, you yeah. know, the shows all through the shows. This is one of the questions we kept asking was, would this happen today, given celebrities and agents and, you know, legal and studios and branding and all of that? Like, would they have would they've even done it? Would they have just said, hey, everybody, we're doing one show. Get your butt here. We'll do the Saturday evening show. That's all mm -hmm. we'll do. Come late, you know, Sunday, folks. I'm sorry, but you're out of it unless you can come Saturday. Well, some yeah. of them didn't get paid and some of them got a paid a percentage of what they were. Yep. I don't yep. see any of the actors uh, uh, doing it today without getting paid. Well, see, so that's I, it. That's it. But look, yeah. look, look what it was for context. There was no bloody ABCD. This is the Star Trek cast yeah. on the second movie. I, Resurrecting also, the show. I can't imagine Bill Shatner reading walter Koenig's script original oh. script like oh. i can't mark let me assuage you of something <laughs> bill had nothing to do with the play his whole thing was oh, okay. his whole okay. contribution was he comes in at the end and he does a q a for 45 minutes at the end totally separate yes. okay everybody else is in the thing yeah you know, that okay. Was, okay that was part yeah. of from the get-go that's yeah. what he does yeah. today too <laughs> but, yeah. but that was just like when he came in for the to record the inside Star Trek record album when he yeah. he was a, he came in like two three hours late in off the tennis court he'd been oh, playing tennis and, and and he sits down and he just does uh you know the Q and A and then he just wants to talk about anything but Star Trek so they were, they have all they booked all the studio time and they're going into all this overtime uh because a Shatner's like two or three hours late and then won't talk about Star Trek. And they finally get him to talk about Star Trek and they've spent God knows how much on the studio. And finally, he's like, OK, Bill, thanks. And, they, you know, but yeah, and no, that's what much, put Columbia Records under. Yeah. How much of how much of <laughs> I want you to tell me how much of Bill Shatner is Captain Kirk? <laughs> Speaking of recording, what are you going to do your tribute album to, to Gene, Darren? Jesus. Oh, it's coming. Okay. Okay. It's the centennial, you know, it's perfect year to do it. We're finding it. <laughs> no. So it's like, we get there and leave and two weeks after, so we're there and we're like, we don't have money to pay for two rooms again. Right. Yeah, so we stayed sure. one night, we did the show, we went over, it's like, Oh my God, it's empty. I mean, we went through all the things that everybody did. Um, and then we said, well, hell with this. We're going to go stay. At, we're going to go down to Galveston, go to Ciarama, which used to be a thing. We're going to go down to the beach. I've never seen the Gulf Coast then. And uh, we've stayed a little cheap motel along the way, right. you know, went on down the next day and then drove the whole thing back, you know, late Sunday. 
after we figured out that we'd done and seen everything there was to you know, we went around the con did all so this they did, they did the play one of my friends got to go in and crush on carolyn monroe and get her autograph I'm nice you know. nice <laughs> can't go wrong with carolyn monroe no. I, and then um you know they, they did they, the play they, they did shatner's uh what Q&A. else they did a laser three light times show. oh sunday sunday yeah. shatner comes in and says he wants to get the hell out of dodge and he goes can we like move my 45 minute that's the climax of the thing can we do it first Up front yeah so they do they have him just come out and do his thing and then they went on with the rest of the show which was the right. talk show on the road you know and here's a uh, carrie carrie o'quinn from starlog he's the mc and he was he told me he's like i'm nervous i've never i've, I've interviewed people but never on a stage to be yeah. audience in front, of 14 in front of 800 people, people. <laughs> so mark leonard who wasn't even supposed to be part of the show he was a guest yeah. of the con comes over to kind of hold carrie's hand and be there uh-huh. but they bring everybody out like one or two they have Cursed, they have Laura Banks, who was the con woman who is the line. Yeah, there's two women, one has the line, one doesn't. And she's, you know, and her her tagline then was like, Well, I'm the one that kills Spock because she's the one that pushes the phaser button when he says, (laughs) She was in the press kit, you know, they had a picture of Ricardo Mm -hmm. with the two women draped on him. And I remember we asked Eddie Egan about that, he said, Yeah, you know, we had to have a little sex sex appeal to sell the movie, it's not really in the movie. But, that you know, was the color picture in, in Time magazine. I yeah, remember yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a black and white photo in the press kit. So that so here's the so here's me. So D was D and Jimmy were emerging. Like, I'm a big underdog guy. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Leonard. Okay. Sp- Shaw, uh, Spock Kirk. Everybody loves them. Okay. But in the early days, you know, I'm mean, I I, you meant underdog, the cartoon character. <laughs> I didn't know you meant underdogs i'm really crossing the streams today (laughs) yeah when star trek's in trouble i am not slow (laughs) i by then i was into a whole thing about you know everybody loves kirk and spock but what about spot uh scotty and mccoy and i was really and i was really kind of really loving d and loving mccoy and i would love people go who's your favorite character kirk or spock and i'd go mccoy and to watch people in the 80s george harrison Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like one of those guys. Who's your favorite Beatle? George Harrison. But I was so excited to, you know, I was finally going to do the thing and go through the autograph and say hi and do the picture and do all the yeah, first yeah. time fan things. Right. Sure. I, I had missed him. I had mono and missed him at another con. And there was another con we had to cancel. And this was going to happen. I was this, I, and you could see him gradually shrink and get thinner and thinner to a pencil size over the 80s. Right. Yeah, I was just yeah, convinced yeah. he was the oldest and he was going to go before I ever. Anyway, I finally did see him live. But what happened was somehow in the crossing wires the weekend, me and my group, we never saw the big the big kids. Mm-hmm. We went through an autograph line with Carrie and Kirsty and Merrick and mm-hmm. um, and who else? Somebody else. And we got autographs. Captain Merrick or Merrick Buttrick? <laughs> Merrick Buttrick. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. But I, it's like there was nothing to have them sign, and it's the old yeah. days. You know, it was way before license stuff, and you go in the yeah. dealer's room and buy a photo or something. Well, right. there was nothing of of merit, and there yeah. was nothing of. So I yeah. had a star log that I bought that his right. picture was in. He signed that. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Laura Banks and Kirsty signed <laughs> like a Banks black and white, a uh, group picture of. So I've got this one group, you know, the standard shot with all right. of them. Yeah. The yeah. With yeah. her yeah. signed it. That's all. Yeah. And and Laura Bank and Laura Banks had taken the little the draped over Ricardo's body thing, cut off the other girl. It's her and Ricardo, <laughs> and she had about a million little like four by six black and whites, and she brought those smart girl, and she had those to sign for people, and mm-hmm. nobody was charging. It's like you know she had yeah. done those, and oh, Nichelle had recorded this forty five. She brought like you know 
5,000 copies of a 45. Um, I've got it somewhere. Anyway. Is this her, her recording of Jean? I think so, song? yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, is it true? Because, you know, we all know, uh, and, and all those who know uh, D knew what a sweet man he was and, and really the most beloved of all the actors. Yeah. But oh, look oh, at that. Beyond Antares. Oh, yeah. wow. Look at that. Yeah. But I yeah. want to know, yeah. I had heard that D of all the people was the most irate about what was going on at Ultimate Fantasy. Is that it, true? I That's what I was going back through. The other part of the saga is we started working on this 10 years ago. So don't, you know, don't judge me. Um, and we're working on it again now. So I'm glad you called. But uh, yeah, but I think for like five minutes. Mm. I mean, he was right. like, Arr. but I think he calmed down. And the other one you would think maybe was Jimmy and Wendy. Uh, you know, Jimmy's gone, but Wendy talked for him. And she said mm -hmm. she had the boys by then. And she's her boys. And she yeah, was yeah. saying, um, you know, they were like, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight. And she's talking about how he was like, you know, boiling point, short fuse. And then everybody went, OK, in reality, here's well, a drink, Jimmy. Get, I'm fine. We're all going to we're like, we're all going to get up and start. And Harv is sitting there going, guys, guys, yeah, yeah. let's just get through this. But let's not blow it up for the brand. Let's not blow it up for the studio. Yeah. And so everybody, you know, they even got, you know, Shatner to hang around. So, yeah. What did Harv do during the ultimate fantasy? Like, did he MC like along with Kerry? Like, did he jump in or like what, what was his deal? He kind of he didn't really have a thing at first. He came to kind of watch it and kind of be the behind the scene produce, like be the executive producer. Yeah. But he did come out in the beginning of each of the three shows and just talk to the crowd and kind of I think he wanted to. He, he told me later. In fact, by the way, his appearance in the Con of Wrath is uh, his last time on camera. Mm -hmm. He just he like we got him and his wife. We were leaving and his wife at the time up in Oregon said, uh, we had a great time and we and I talked to him. I'd never sat down with an interview for him and we talked about it for years. And I we did Connor Rath stuff and then I talked to him about a bunch of other stuff. I, I wanted to talk to him about firing Gene uh, on the Long Hunt of April Savage yeah. set. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he went to school with Jeff Hunter. We talked about Jeff Hunter, a um, bunch of other stuff, but um, and his other things. But um, we had him for like four hours. And then I was, I was leaving. I could tell him getting tired. And I didn't want to overstay. And I kept yeah. saying, do you want to go on? Do, can we do some more? And I, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And when I left, we were at their front porch and they've kind of a mountainy, you know, A-frame thing. And I said, um, this was in, uh, this was like uh, 20, what are we, 2011. And mm -hmm. I said, uh, I said, thank you so much. I know there are good days and I know there are bad days, but thank you so much. She goes, oh, no, they're all bad days. And I was like, oh, she says, except for days like today. <laughs> and no, I that's said, nice. OK, that's great. That's, that's great. Nice. And she said, but this is his last. And he was fine. He was great yeah. until the very end. And I was doing these sidebar things that weren't for the doc. But she said, this is going to be his last one for camera. And he had done DVDs, you know, for Salvage One yeah, and for sure. for Million Dollar, um, Six uh, million dollar, $6 man. dollar yeah. man and yeah. Bionic Woman and all, you know, in his uh, Rich Man, Poor Man and Woman Called right. Gold and all that stuff. He had done DVD. In fact, he said, here's my DVD chair. You know, it's the green chair in front of the window. And that's what we use. But his wife says this is the last one. And then he passed. And then she went some kind of uh, dementia very soon and was living apart when he got older and frailer and he was fine. His mind was fine, but his heart was giving out and yeah. he fell and went to the hospital and came back and was okay. But she was already living in a, in a assisted home uh, apart yeah. from him. 
And then when he fell and died in his home, nobody knew. He died two days before Leonard did, and no one yeah. knew. Yeah. And then it finally came out. Uh, yeah, there was a whole bunch. Leonard yeah. and Harv and Bernie Williams, they all yeah. died within a couple of weeks of each other. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, so we were the, like the last, we were the last uh, camera crew to, you know, but we've got everybody in. We started off with a bang and then three or four years ago when I, and I, this was a, as far as the project goes, it was, I'd always meant for it to be a shade tree because I was going to learn. Content was no problem. Post, I didn't know, but I instantly had people tell me, I want to help shoot it for you. I want to help edit it for you. You're great professional people. And I'm like, yay, yay. Uh, and we really kind of wrapped up the shooting two or three years ago. And between, you know, personal, we didn't have a, it wasn't financed. We didn't have a set time. So I, I knew I was going to go. Along and dragged, that. dragged out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, part of that was though, like we are working on people. It took me a right. while to get uh, George people to talk that. to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not that he wouldn't, right. but you know, George is like, oh, they all blend together. And right. he and Brad, I, he and Brad at Walter's star ceremony. I said, okay, you've got to do this. Harv's done it, and Nichelle's going to. And he's like, okay, okay. And they were they were rehearsing his his musical out of town right. in San Diego. Right. So we went down to San Diego and did it. And and, you know, Walt, but Walter and, and um, Walter was kind of the savior on the tech show side. And mm -hmm. Harv was kind of the overall savior behind the scenes of the whole of getting the crowd, the cast to stay. Right. And I said in the beginning, had this idea. I met one of the original con committee who are all in this and all still live in Houston, except for one that lives in Seattle. Mm -hmm. I met him, got introduced to him you know, at SoonerCon Oklahoma City and said, somebody's talking about the Connor Rath over there. You should go talk to him. And the more he talked, I was like, oh, my God, this needs to be preserved. It mm. needs to I need to do I need to interview these people. And I'm like, no, Larry, it's it's the new age. You need to get them on camera, get them on yeah. camera. And then it's yeah. like, no, do a documentary. I've been wanting to do something big, you know, and that's where that started. And I said, if I can get either Walter or Harv to say they'd be on camera, then we're doing it. And both of them said, you know, not just, oh, yeah, but hell yeah. And. And went on and on. And they were, those were the first two of the celebs. And then they gradually got gotten a shell right at the right time before mm. we wouldn't yeah. have been able to. Sure. And um, but yeah, all of that. And but like uh, Carrie O'Quinn, Laura Banks is mm. in it. And thank God about you got Laura Banks. <laughs> she had some amazing things to say about her and Shatner. Yeah, well, I, I've heard some of the stories. Yeah. And I but she was totally story. happy to talk about. And she's well, had surprised. a that she talked about it on camera because I've, I've heard them in private, but I'm shocked that oh. she did it for public consumption. We didn't, we didn't get into gory details, but she's uh. like, you know, we dated for six months. He, and she's like, I'm, I was at a low place in my life and I was doing art and he bought a lot of my art and, but she's a, she's marketing and she's, you know, found herself different careers since then. She was doing a book on glamping when we interviewed her. <laughs> And we went out to Palm Springs and she was glamping in her camp. You know, she was glamour camping. Wow. And we yeah. went out and interviewed her in Palm. And anyway, it was, it was just I amazing. Love glamping. But we got 40, <laughs> 50, see, it catches. Uh, so yeah. we, she said, we're doing glamour camping. Guess what they call it? And I went glamping. Yeah, glamping she looked yeah. disappointed. She was like, oh, you figured <laughs> it out. Oh. oh, it's a big thing. For those of us who hate the outdoors, glamping is at least palatable. Yeah. But no, so, we wound up, we, we've got 40, we've got almost too many, but we've got uh, some, we've got eight or 10 of the key people in the group. I've got, I could do a documentary on dealers, like old school dealers, because so many of like them were national. Scarface? <laughs> oh, no, you mean like dealers, like guys who sell collectibles. Yeah. No, oh, no, okay. you know what I mean. 
hucksters. Yeah. Now, yeah. now they're vendors or exhibitors. Right. But, yeah, I mean, old yeah. school. Guy. And some of them yeah. had been doing the circuit for like 20 years before. Sure. I did want, did you get the guy who made those costumes for the cast? <laughs> we <laughs> looked, I, want. I got the seamstress, but the one that designed them, we can't find oh, her now. But, that's yeah. a shame. It's oh, so the it's disco amazing. era. It's so like it's yeah. such a holdover the 70s of like, you know, Xanadu and and uh, thank God it's Friday and the disco era for about that and it, long. And then it changed so, right after. And yeah. then it changed. Yeah. It's, but it's like the last breath of the like disco. Saturday, Saturday well, you know, we say that, but then you got the pink bar space bar in in Star Trek three. And that's 84. That's 83. Yeah. 84. But that's kind so. of more like just ripping off Star Wars than feeling like disco era 70s. It feels more like. Just yeah, oh, we're gonna do Star Wars. It, oh, it's terrible. I mean, it's cheap, <laughs> like everything in that movie. It's super cheap. Um, but it's it's so fascinating. So you know that you seized on this as you know to make a documentary well, because I, I was there and I thought it needed to be preserved. Mm-hmm, and because, mm-hmm. like I said, on one hand it was such a different time, but on the yeah. other hand, it's exactly like today. It's like the fan types, like the fan rivalries, but also the let's put on a show and let's get the damn thing done when mm-hmm, things are falling right. in. I mean, the thing that really struck me was would the Hollywood people react the way they did and with the overarching, you know, with the studio. And but Harv was just like, we're not going to let the brand in the studio go down the tubes like this. We just brought this great movie out. We're going to do a sequel already. We're not about to let this blow up in our face. And it it wasn't their shit, but they went in and saved it. He called Network News and said ABC, NBC, CBS in in New York and said, if you get local stories from Houston, because all the local media was running around chasing people. They said, if you could just, it's a, it's a little thing. We got to, he talked to his friends at the mm-hmm. networks and there was and nothing the national stories. about it. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. Cause you know, this was also the convention that I think reaffirmed that would ultimately lead to the mentality of the cast only wanting to deal with people like read pop and creation professionals where they knew they would get paid and the checks wouldn't bounce right. because yeah. there were after there were too many of these fan conventions where the money would, the checks would bounce. They wouldn't get paid. Their you know, hotel room wouldn't be there, you know, and with, with Reed and certainly with creation over the years, they knew mm-hmm. it was going to be handled professionally and that everything that was promised would be delivered. Oh, slanted fedora. Don't forget. <laughs> what? What's that? The guy in Kansas city slanted that kind of brought when, when the next gen took over and no one was paying attention to Jimmy and Walter and, and Michelle and George. Right. Right. Um, uh, I've gone blank on his name, but he was out of Kansas City and he brought the Fab Four tour and he kind of gave him a second wind in the 90s. Huh. I, I and, then he, and then he blew up yeah. and he did. He did the first Vegas convention in 2001. Mm. And then but he blew up and, and he got sued for bank uh, for fraud in the state of Kansas where he was. And he had to cancel something that Patrick was attached to. And he blamed it on Patrick canceling. And Patrick put out this public statement, said, excuse me, I am not the reason you canceled this show. I mean, it was this big public humiliation, and wow. I, I think he blew up too fast, and and um, I've I've gone blank I on it. Vaguely thing. recall that, but that's so when was, Creation stepped in the next year and grabbed up the whole Vegas concept and ran with right. it. Then. Right, because they were doing the Sci-Fi Summit in Pasadena very yeah. successfully, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then Grand it slam. moved to Vegas and became, you know, what it what it's become, um, which of course is you know this huge mecca for Star Trek uh, fans. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, in fact, we're going to go this year because uh, I saw that you know, no yeah. Comic-Con, no, no, you know, no San Diego Comic-Con 
You gotta get your fix. No beach to walk on. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You gotta race through that, Darren. You need to kind of slow that one down. No beach. Don't don't tell me how to do it. It's, it's sick of <laughs> So, I mean, it, it's really, I love the fact I didn't realize that you had actually been there and that you had experienced mm-hmm. this. Um, it really was a once in a <laughs> lifetime the event. PTSD. Yeah. But, but, yeah. And it was so funny because, like I said, you know, the, in Starlog for the next six months, you had Carrie O'Quinn doing damage control because all we knew was like this amazing event was coming. And then I it happened. It. And I then all of a sudden, it. for the next year, mm-hmm. all it was was talking about what a disaster it was. And it was apparently no one's fault. Right. So we we've got so you've got the Hollywood guys, which is nice to get, you know, faces out there. But this there's also the drum. I, I talked about it being all these circles. There's the dealer's circle. There's the celebs and the Hollywood folks from Trek. There's the, the organizers. And then there's like the fans that were there and they all right. have little dramas and stories. And and the crew, you've got 20 somethings and 30s. They're not they weren't just kids put the show on in Mr. Farmer Smith's barn. Yeah, it wasn't just Mickey and Judy. They were they had tech and, you know, event people and and scene building people and effects people. They knew what they were doing. It's just and they were all they had. They were a little starry eyed about, you know, taking the show on to New York and L.A. and Vegas right. and wherever we in you know, Chicago. And when that blew up, they had incorporated this corporation. They had people on full time. People quit their jobs to work full time oh, for the company. God. And one guy who was a dealer, they had a board of directors, and he was the president of the board, a guy named John McDonald, and he had a, his own comics and sci-fi shop called Big John's Funny Farm, mm. and he lost his house and his business. He was like the biggest financial loser out of this because it mm. did take a toll. But wow. um, in fact, he almost he almost he went into shock. I'm t- there. I sounds like I'm telling all the good stories, but there are a million stories. Oh, no, I'm sure there Sunday, are Sunday night as they all kind of got together and then they regathered Monday morning at their office while they still had it. They were all kind of going, oh, my God. And they're debating about whether they should sue somebody or who would they sue and what's going on and what happened and what do we do now? And do we go on with the shows and all that? They realized that John's nowhere. They go out in the parking lot and he had spent the night in his car kind of in shock, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's like 100 degrees in the humidity he almost has heat stroke when they find him. Um, and he survives, but it was like, it was just really a kind of a surreal time. And even to the point where about six months later, they're fans, right. And they're, you know, little techies and, and uh, media guys. And even on an 82 scale, they do kind of what I call a therapy video. They do like a parody video of the whole thing. And they're all running around being Jerry and being each other. And some of the actors, and it's this whole parody about somebody has this great idea and sells shares and puts on a big show and, and of course, it's all being shot on you know, like eight millimeters silent, yeah. and they've got an audio track that they and the script, and it's all cheesy to be intentionally cheesy, but it's like right. it's like it was their therapy yeah. Yeah, of yeah. getting through it. And they nobody jumped off a cliff though, they all pretty much yeah. picked up their you know survived lives. and went oh. on. You know, Darren, it reminds me of you remember in Larry Sanders' show how Hank had Hank's look around cafe, the revolving Absolutely. restaurant, and it sure. was nothing but problems and trouble. Yeah. And it was, everyone looked at him like, he thought it was this great idea, the revolving restaurant. Everybody's like, it's ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> it, that's what this reminds me of with the revolving the stage. Revolving because stage. throughout the entire arena, you'll be able to see, you know, Kirstie every, Alley perform Every Walter angle Koenig. of Walter Koenig. <laughs> yeah. So did you okay. get Kirstie for this? Uh, we're working. I talked to her manager a couple of years ago before mm. we, everything kind of slid down. Right. And he was... He was disappointed that everybody else had done it for free, but he said, okay, we'll talk about it. And then we, then we went into our own. So I want to come back around. I don't know where her head is now right now about doing it, but, um, 
and and Shatner. And I've just, been just put on a, ra- a red that. hat to go uh, make America great again. And she'll probably do it. I there you go. You know, I wanted to do it from the beginning. So it's like we didn't have to if we couldn't get some people, we wouldn't have to. But I was going to make a big, you know, and, and I've had varying degrees of when we were there. Like, I want to go in and do this toward the end. And I almost want to, like, add them in make a push on them after we got the rest of it kind of assembled. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can give you the Shatner interview right now, Larry. Oh, let's do it. Uh, when was that? (laughs) (laughs) I I do a lot of conventions. I don't, I don't remember that one particularly. (laughs) There you go. We have a, (laughs) well, well, Darren, Bill, I could ask you about the girl that was the 16-year-old stalker that had been waiting for you to come back to Houston. I, I, yeah, there it's like it's amazing. And I guess I've had a couple of people go, well, you know, there was that uh, there was that Firefly Convention in L.A. that went bust. And, you know, people come up with their list of here's the cons that went bad. But what's uh-huh. amazing this is- about this is it was like the golden time. Yeah. And, and it was so public and so out there. And so many people were involved from different levels. And it was such a Wild West time. And yeah, lots of cons went down. But Until Nathan Fillion puts on a silver jumpsuit, it's not the same. (laughs) I mean, come on. I'm going to use that, Mark. In public. Until Nathan Fillion uses the... I I have to tell you, I'm so excited about seeing this documentary. It's so gonzo. It's so nuts. It's hard to believe it happened. And, you know, as, as Darren said, this is something as kids that was, you know, like... The North Star was as constant as the North Star. We were so excited about, you know, go potentially good. And you got to remember, Texas was an exciting, you know, fantasy land because Dallas was huge back then. So, like, yeah. you know, everybody was like, oh, there, there was the, the excitement of, like, Dallas. So Houston was the oil capital. I mean, in retrospect, well, it was ridiculous. Capital, you had NASA. You had Astroworld, yeah. Astrodome. I mean, it was, yeah, it was it was I mean, if they done it in Los Angeles, it probably would have been a success. Or New York, <laughs> you know, they did it in Houston. So, uh, but you know, whatever. That's where the so, people are. But some people yeah. did come in from around the country. Like people flew in from oh, East sure. Coast and West Coast, and they were, you know, they were the ones showing up on Friday, you know, with their yeah. suitcases out there. Anyway, it's just between talking to the fans and 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 the, what's funny is the people that say. I, I I enjoyed it. Like I came in, I'd never been anything that big. It was awesome. Right. I got to see. Everybody. You have yeah. people saying that, but um, yeah, it's just it was it deserved to have its story told and preserved, and that's what we're and now we're back at it. We like I said, right. well, I don't want to put you on the spot. When news. do you think you're gonna finish the doc? Well, like, here's the thing think? so we're now aiming, we're really leaning on ourselves because we're doing other stuff. Like I said, it's not finance, finance, sure, but we're trying to get a rough done by the fall. Next year's the 40th anniversary, yeah. Ah, there so, you go, of the movie and the and the event. And the so we're gonna sure. try to race and get it and see where we can get it into. Great, so. oh, that's Very exciting. Cool. Yep. Well, fantastic. Well, we appreciate you sharing these wonderful memories of uh, <laughs> ultimate fan of the ultimate fantasy. I, I mean, even that, even that doesn't say Star Trek. It says a lot of other things, but it yeah. doesn't scream Star yeah, Trek. I was like, guys, you know, even in the 80s, this sounds like some really bad porn title. But, it, it totally yeah. does. Yeah, and, yeah. Or at least one. it was the home video era and there were all these cheesy you know, sexploitation movies. That's what it sounds mm-hmm. like. Yeah. It's like some eighth grade porn yeah. title. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> a tagline. Exactly. But um, the fact that it was like this, this misfire of a Star Trek convention is, uh, is so the ultimate and... non-licensed fantasy. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> and see, and you have the con, the con guys will go, the convention went just fine. I don't know what the big deal was. It was the show. <laughs> that went... <laughs> The show. 
Oh man, I I I would love to see footage. Uh, I, I would. Yeah. Did you get any footage of the actual show? Did, did, well, did they that, film it? See, everything is a soap opera. Everything is a drama. They took three camera angles of all three shows. Right. There's a question of who owns it and where it uh, is and who's got it and all kinds of stuff. But we've got tons of stills. We've got some pieces. I've got at least two. Stop me if you've ever heard this before. Snarky fan essays later on about what? the whole thing. I know. I know. We've got all kinds of great and tons of pictures and all kinds of, you know, the programs and Walter script and all kinds of stuff. You know what? Well, I think that that is a really good candidate for a staged reading. Walter script. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Reenact it for so you have it for the documentary. The whole thing. We need everybody impersonated. Yeah. And the Machiavellian <laughs> concept. Merritt wasn't in that, but Kirsty was. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. How, how did Merritt manage to escape having? Well, he wasn't part that? of the crew, you know. So yeah. I, I, the crew who will not be named, and they won't put them in. You know. Yeah. It was. It was oh just bizarre. Goodness. It was bizarre. Yeah, they weren't great to Merritt. They weren't great to Merritt. You know. Um, and we're like, we haven't even told you about the great flaming rubber ball planet that that <laughs> was over overspiced for its pyro on the second show, oh, and uh, instead of popping the way it was supposed to do when a laser hit it. It uh, exploded into fire and fell down, almost fell down on. It's a good thing it wasn't a packed house or somebody would have been burned. Oh, my God. It's like that Parks and Rec where he lights. They're doing the uh, Little Sebastian Memorial and they light the memorial flame and it explodes with lighter fluid in. Oh, my God. This is I'm telling you. I'm telling you the story. See what I mean? It deserves to be preserved. That's why we're dying to do an episode about this, because and you, you know, you're tapped into the whole saga of this insane, misguided disaster of a convention. And it's fun. So, George, you know, we're talking and he's like, he did finally start to we've got a oh my and we've got we've got all the George trademarks. But he did start to remember after we got him warmed up. That's which I always loved him saying that. And and, you know, Nichelle tells four different stories at four different times in her life. We did also talk about we did talk about that weekend. And but that's all them. You know, they just repeat the story that they repeat. Carrie tells Shatner stories from the weekend. And Wendy talks about Jimmy and they all talk about, you know, D and Jimmy and. Yeah. It was, uh, and they, you know, and it's the celeb, that comes in, there's the celeb level, there's the organizers level, anybody that's ever put on a show or a con will, will empathize with them, but then the whole thing blows up in their face after they thought they had this dream thing happening. Uh, and the fans talking about it all over yeah. the place. And the, and the deal, right. I said, tell you, I want to do a documentary now, just take my footage and do a dealer's one called Connie's. Yeah, C O N N I E, not carnies, but yeah. Yeah. about I'll, life I'll, on the I'll, road. I'll, I'll stick with the ultimate fantasy convention doc. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a little. Maybe I'll go talk to Corman or somebody. His Too much PTSD <laughs> on that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm a there little less interested in the guys who go around <laughs> in the RVs selling merchandise. It's kind of sad. Yeah. It's kind of like Nightmare Alley of of, of, of hucksters. <laughs> uh, so. Um, Anyway, well, this is great. Well, you know, Larry, it's not great for Michael. We're, look, we're hoping for next year now. Finally, getting our, getting our fire back out. Yeah. Can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's uh, it, it just sounds like a hoot. So um, anyway, th- <laughs> thanks for wetting our appetite for uh, the wrath, the con of wrath. I, I hope I wetted and didn't drown it. So absolutely. We'll, we'll oh, go. no, I, I can't imagine anybody hearing this and not wanting to watch the documentary now because uh, it's just uh, it's crazy. I mean, the, the amount of kitschy stuff. I mean, you know, in the history of Star Trek, I mean, people love, you know, the Spock helmet, the Treculator, you know, all these great Spock's <laughs> See, brain, 
Did you? The what was your see? Fantasy. I see all that stuff now—the Spock helmet and all of that. I ran away from that stuff. I mean, I was like in oh, junior yeah, high school. Of course. I, oh yeah, I was no, like, no. that's trash. I'm not going to touch. I like that the authentic table. stuff. I wanted the yeah. you know the replica of the phaser. It was on the show. The only thing I had that wasn't on the show that was kind of cool was the uh, bridge command module for the communicators, oh, yeah. which was like so on the right. walkie-talkies you could. How you had like, like this the communication console. center, yeah. The communications that yeah. like yeah. that was that was cool, but um, <laughs> but yeah, most of the stuff, yeah, if it wasn't like true to the show, the phasers uh, that said Star Trek on the side that shared just the so you remember which show it's from, yeah. I, I mean, I remember, and know, it's the and, comic book I font, you know. Yeah. The, well, at seven years old, I, I hated, you know, I had that phaser target game, and yeah. I'm just like. This phaser is too big. It's not real. <laughs> it's not the yeah. real phaser. And you yeah. can't shoot a Klingon ship down with a phaser. And so, the model way bigger kit, than the AMT model kit phaser. Yeah, What's wrong yeah, with the it? model kit? It's this phaser is too small. How am I supposed to play Star Trek with a tiny little phaser? It's for Michael Dunn. Michael Dunn. This is the Alexander version of yeah, <laughs> Star Trek. Oh, oh, anyway, guys, man. thanks for having me in. It's, Absolutely, it's, so it's been a lot of fun. Finally, and we'll uh, and we'll, I guess we'll see you in Vegas. Uh, I hope so. But hey, everybody can catch me. Can I say LarryNimitzek.com and of course, on There is still a page. There is still a page up. I didn't ever do a Kickstarter or, when I started this. Like Kickstarter was brand new, and I I did a Kickstarter like, and we've had a lot of people. I did some fundraisers over the years at cons, and people put in you know, like little crowdfunding type amounts, and I've got two or three good size backers on this too, like associate producer types, but that's all. If you want to go visit the page, some of these photos are up there at connorath.com and all the Nimichek stuff, the Trek files from Roddenberry, my podcast and, and Tuesday's live and on my life support live show with Dr. Ali's on Saturdays. So Great. you can check it all out. Awesome. Well, you heard Thanks it so much, first. Larry. And uh, Thanks, guys. We'll, it's great uh, to we'll see, see you both. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, uh, now we're all vaccinated and hopefully actually getting out of the studio. So uh, or back to the studio as the case may be. So uh, awesome. Well, take care. Good luck with the documentary. We can't wait to see it. Oh, thanks, guys. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Trek well. Well, that certainly didn't disappoint, did it, Darren? That was uh, that was a lot of fun to learn about that. Uh, you know, it's also heartbreaking, but it makes me feel a lot better for not having gone. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> I that mean, is that for sure. Takes a little of the sting out of my 15 year old disappointment. Look, that was something I, I can't even we've talked about it throughout the whole show. I can't convey the sense of excitement. How cool this was like, you know, it was really like, you know, for people who would like have a chance to go see like the Rolling Stones, you know, who are Stones fans or, you know, to have seen the Beatles at Shea Stadium. Right. This was like that for Star Trek. That's I correct. mean, it was like so cool and so exciting. And you know, there've been a lot of smaller shows or, you know, shows, but this was like going to be the ultimate, right? And it's remember, the- this was, this was way before Next Generations, before any of the other later shows. This is all that Star Trek was at the time. So mm-hmm. all of these people, you know, uh, missing Leonard, of course, um, this was the pantheon of Star Trek. Uh, and it's interesting that Gene Roddenberry uh, didn't uh, show up because he didn't want to have anything to do with Star Trek too. Well, it's so funny. I meant to ask Larry about that. And I, I forgot. I wanted to say, you know, what was Gene's take on this whole thing? And, um, you know, obviously, I think he probably reveled in its failure. You know, yeah. it was, well, of course, because he wasn't involved. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think this is another reason why Harv worked so hard um, to mitigate the damage 
sure. because you know he knew that Gene would it be was like, his watch. Yeah. 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 So that also politically is very interesting. And it was interesting to hear um, Larry talk about, you know, he was the last person to interview Harv Bennett when Harv yeah. was very sick. Yeah. And uh, Harv was a gr- always a great interview, always had amazing stories. He was a great self-promoter. But, you know, he's a brilliant guy. We've talked about this before. He's, mm-hmm. He was one of the original quiz kids yep. um, and, uh, you know, mental level intelligence and, you um, uh you know um it's just it's it, and he was a showman because you know we've heard bob salen talk about who did the real work on star trek 2 and who right. did the heavy lifting but you know harv was the face of it all yeah and he was great harv with was the, the ringmaster he wasn't yeah, the he lion was the tamer ringmaster. he was the ringmaster yeah 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 it's a good way of putting it and um and it's really interesting to see him in retrospect at work and how he handled this yeah you know when everything was going wrong and, you know, he was, you know, doing what a publicist would do today, exactly. you know, in terms of damage control. But the fact that, you know, Paramount didn't even have a publicist there because it wasn't something that was a sanctioned Paramount licensed. event. So yeah. why would they? So the whole thing is really fascinating. And it's a really interesting glimpse into Star Trek history and the way things were. The way you know, things before work the, on a starship. Yeah. As opposed to the way things are, you know, now, because, yeah. of course, Fandom was so different back, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Absolutely. Um, and this is a real interesting glimpse. And I'm, I, you know, I'm really interested in seeing Larry's uh, documentary. I think it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. And, um, uh, you know, seeing any of that footage, because if we'll put it up on social media, some of the pictures we have, you know, the silver LeMay jumpsuits, the ad that Darren just read, um, because it, it, it looks like you've stepped into Xanadu. Or, you know, or um, Flash Gordon, 1980. Right. Um, it's 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 really great. So um, and speaking of conventions, if you haven't heard <laughs> the news, the big news, Darren Dockerman and me are going to be Altman. Mark A. Altman. Thanks. Are going to be at the big creation show in Vegas. The 55th not anniversary only- show. Not only are we going to be there, but we are also going to be doing the podcast uh, live, uh, Viva Viva Las Vegas edition um, from the convention on Friday, the 15th, I think, uh, August 12th, 13th, 13th, August to Friday, August 13th. I so, so you'll be able to, to see us. We'll also, um, uh, I, I suspect that I might have a few books available. Uh, to sign uh, if anyone is interested in that we're, we're trying and, to figure uh, out some special things for uh, people who are there so they can remember us better and i just want to say i just read robin curtis's uh, uh one woman play we'll have to talk about that off air nice um yeah i did <laughs> read the whole thing in one sitting um and uh so anyway we're you know we're hoping that some of our fans will, will be down there and come say hello um, it'll be really great to um, put a face with a name. And, uh, you know, honestly, uh, I get bored really quickly. So it'd be great if uh, you come up and for you to entertain us, us for a change. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Buy us a drink. You know, that would be lovely. So um, some appetizers, perhaps. But well, uh, I'm looking forward to it because it's kind of the first, uh, you know, big, uh, hopefully, step back into normalcy. normalcy yeah i agree and i'm looking forward to spending some time with you plus 
Uh, Ashley Miller is threatening to join us, nice. which is wonderful. Um, we got a couple other uh, friends of the podcast, friends of show, who are who are also um, interested in coming. So it could we're really still be a couple, quite a... We're still a couple months away, so it, yeah. we're still in flux, but uh, we're figuring yeah. it out. No, and we're very appreciative of Adam and Gary uh, really, uh, uh, you know, came to us and asked us if we would come and, you know, support the show and for the big 50th anniversary. And we're grateful to to them, you know, uh, for uh, asking us, you may ask, because I'm like a vampire. I don't go anywhere. I'm not invited. (laughs) Yeah, you can't uh, can't walk in unless you you can't. I can't walk in. So the fact that they invited us and asked us to come and you can find out more about the convention by going to creationent.com. Uh, creation Ant, and that has all the information about the convention, about hotel rooms, about tickets. You got the you know the, the gold level, the dilithium level. I don't know the the, the uh, deuteronium level, the hardest substance known to man. Uh, probably you got to use Bitcoin for that. Um, that's, that's neutronium, Mark. Oh, that's neutronium. Not, excuse yeah. me. Deuteronium is something else. Oh, that's the the multitronic circuit. Or, uh, but you're also thinking of cast rhodinium. Ah, that God, was attacked by the Romulans. You is know, not to be not to be pedantic about it. No, not at all. Because I, I don't uh, mind being corrected. It's okay. <laughs> you know, I've always said I'm an, I'm, I'm a trek expert about the making of the shows. Yeah. Not about the, the safe number stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I'm getting older and I forget this stuff. Well, and, and interestingly enough, the safe number is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I watched the other day? I, I watched. Trek? I did. I watched. <laughs> I watched. It, it was Sunday. And I, I really, I didn't want to write and I didn't want to do work and the kids were doing something. So I put on patterns of force and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it'd been a while since I last watched it. Um, and then <laughs> I don't know why I watched parallels from next generation. Oh. And that was an episode I remember being sort of cool. It was not, it was not, yeah, I, I it was not very good. So, um, it, you know, it was, it, I just, I thought I, you know, some of these things I haven't watched in a very long you time. You mean to tell me you watched Patterns of Force and didn't call me to do a a briefing room. briefing room? A briefing I room and with I, you. We should do that. But, you know, we like to have special guests. And yeah. unfortunately, I don't know any Nazis to come on and be a special guest. Well, so I guess maybe we can find a, a Zayon. And John Gill isn't available. John Gill isn't available. Certainly Melicon right. isn't. No, no, no. Well, I told you I can't even think about him because I just think about when he was in uh, when this he was way Dr. Severin. Yeah, it, it, the ears just freaked me out, so I can't even think about that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we got to do a, a commentary on patterns of force. Of course, you can listen to our commentaries of um, curated Star Trek episodes with writers, producers, stars, and super fans on the Trexperts briefing room. And I understand there was some problems recently on the Apple feed. It was fine on Stitcher and Spotify, but on the Apple feed, uh, certain episodes weren't uploading, but that uh, has apparently been fixed, but you should check and make sure you have the right, you might have to re-subscribe. Check the the date on the episodes when they show up. Yeah, because we do it weekly. So if if, if the last one is from a month ago, you have the wrong feed. So uh, It's the wrong feed. Turn away, turn away. We're Trekkies, not techies. So actually, I don't know if- uh, We're not the experts. And of course, you know, you can also keep updated on our plans for Vegas and the podcast on social media at Instagram, Twitter and um, uh, Facebook uh, Facebook, uh, and Glorious Trek or Glorious Trek Experts. And uh, I hope you'll also be watching us on the Electric Surge app, which you can download for free. 
uh, from your favorite app store. It's so simple, even a child could do it. And uh, you download it, you, you, you click on uh, Video Electric Search Podcast, and you watch us all day long. Turn us on, leave us on. And well, that's uh, what happens. That's what happens. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. So, um, uh, but we'll be back as we often are next Friday with an all new episode of Inglorious Trexperts. Um, but uh, I want to ask Darren, um, anything else you want to add about the un- ultimate fantasy? Just that, uh, you know, at the time I wanted to go more than anything. And now I'm so relieved that <laughs> I didn't get to. I thought you were going to say at the time. Christie Alley was my ultimate fantasy, but you didn't say that. You didn't go there. You, you no, said, uh, no, no, we'll yeah. keep it. We'll keep it clean. Keeping it clean. Okay, good. <laughs> That's how I like this show. And, uh, and as we know, no politics, <laughs> we'll get mean mail. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we want to thank our uh, sound engineer, Bill Ritter and Mark Rivera, who make it sound so good. Uh, of course, uh, Dylan Middlebrook, uh, our video editor, as well as our associate producers, Zach Raggetts and Peter Holmstrom, and our producer, Natalie Miscali. Uh, and uh, thank you, everybody at Electric, for uh, giving us the support to make the show as good as it is, or close to as good as it can be. And it's as good as it gets. <laughs> it's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> and, uh, and that's really about it for us. So on behalf of Darren and myself, Keep on trekking and gloriously, of course. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.